Hello and welcome to Truth For Today with Terry Fan. And yes, I'm your host, Terry Fan. In a world full of confusion that leads to chaos, the answer for clarity is the absolute truth of God's Word. It has stood the test of time. I hope you'll listen to this message with an open heart and that God would speak to you one-on-one through it. If you're ever in the Florence, Mississippi area, then we would love for you to join us for live worship. Please feel free to reach out to me at terryfant at icloud.com. May the Lord bless you as he draws, shapes, and instructs you. Now, let's listen to today's message. Amen, and as I, I thank God for them. I thank God for those who are serving in the media, making sure this message gets out to other places, and not just them, but those who are serving with the children, those who are serving in um, security, uh, people serving the Lord all over the place. I know sometimes you may come in on Sunday and not understand all that's happening all over campus, and uh, I'm so thankful for all of the many servants of the Lord who serve him so greatly here. I'm so glad to be here. Anybody else glad to be here? Uh, I'm, I'm looking, yeah, amen. I'm just a... Uh, so thankful to be here. Uh, a lot of different reasons why. And thank God I'm saved and I have a family to belong to. And uh, not just that, but I got all my family with me. A lot of most of my family here with me today. Uh, Tina's, we got a whole section over here in our neighborhood. The neighborhood looks a little different over here. Tina's mama's with us and granddad's with us. All five of our children, uh, all five of the grandchildren, one on the way. Everybody's here. And I'm so thankful for family. Aren't you? to be gathered with the people of God to worship. If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you. You know where I'm going, right? I got to get right to the Word. Uh, John chapter 17. John chapter 17. We're going to look at the Lord's Prayer, all right? Now, if you were here Wednesday night, you know a little bit about the first half of this prayer, but we're going to look at the second half of this prayer this morning. If you were not here Wednesday night, it's all right. We're not mad at you. We just encourage you to come when you can. Wednesday nights are very special around here. You may not know this, but we have Wednesday night. looks a lot like Sunday morning. Any Wednesday night folk in the house will say amen to that? Yeah, we worship and we pray. I mean, it's just like a Sunday morning experience. So if you have an opportunity, um, come out and check us out on Wednesday nights. We gather at 630 and there's something for all ages. And I encourage you to be a part of that. But we look at the first half of this. And if you missed that, you can go back on Facebook and look. It's archived. Or you can go to, uh, if some of y'all enjoy podcasts better than watching, uh, I understand that because I'm not much to look at. Uh, and so the message of the content is what's important. So I have a podcast called Truth for Today with Terry Fan. You can check that out. The messages are there. So you can stay in the Word. If you miss a message, you can go and listen to that even as you go about work, all right, and doing the things that you do. So today, the Lord's Prayer. Now, if I was to ask you before you came in, what's the Lord's Prayer? You probably would have started with, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And I want to speak to that quickly and explain to you that that is not, in fact, the Lord's Prayer, but that is, in fact, what we'll call the model prayer, okay? Now, why would I call it the model prayer? Because Jesus, when he talked about it, he said, when you pray, pray in this manner, now, the word manner means likeness or similitude. doesn't mean word for word. It means like this prayer, okay? And so when he says, for instance, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, uh, that is a component of prayer, an ingredient to prayer. What is that ingredient? Praise. He started the prayer by saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, wonderful, magnificent, high and lifted up be your name. And so part of your prayer life ought to be praising God. Do you see that? So that's why Jesus said pray in this manner. But instead, this is, in fact, the Lord's prayer. Now, when you take Lord, we're obviously today we're referencing the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we say it's his, you put, if you're in English, you put an apostrophe S to show ownership. So why would I call it the Lord's Prayer? Because this prayer belongs to our Lord. It is, in fact, the prayer that he prayed uh, in the whole chapter 17 of, of John's gospel. So today we're going to look at the second half of that. Uh, Wednesday night we saw where he prayed for the believers that were with him. 
Um, but the, and he prays some very specific things, things you need to go back and, and understand because they apply to us too. But the second half of his prayer uh, deals with you and me. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, 2,000 years ago, while Jesus was on planet Earth, he prayed some specific things for you and for me. Now, I want to say that you can learn a lot about a person in praying with them. Did you know that? You ever listen to somebody, you get to know somebody better by praying. Let me ask you this. Do you have friends you pray with? You have family members that you call and pray with, you pray with in person, you pray with over the phone. If not, you should. That ought to be part of your lifestyle of praying for other people, praying with other people. And you can learn a lot about a person and you're praying together. And I think back to a man in my life by the name of Charles Griffith. Now, he's gone on to, into glory. Uh, he lived to be about 94, I believe. Um, but he was one of the first ones, took me under his wing and said, now, I want you to come out and preach. Uh, since you've res- you have responded to the call of preaching the gospel, I want you to come out to Oakley Training School and learn it and preach to these young men. And uh, I was like 21, tw- 22 years old. And so we're going out on Thursday nights. And I learned more from that little man. He was a little bitty fella, uh, ball-headed, spoke gently and kindly. And I learned more from from praying with that guy than I have through studying with other people. Uh, I'm telling you, uh, his prayer life was one that I've not seen one matched. And I remember times when before we'd go in and preach, he'd say, now, fellas, before we, his, his voice wasn't hoarse, harsh like mine. It was real gentle. And he said, let's pray before we go in. And he'd lean forward with that little bald head, put it on my forehead. You know, we'd lean forward in the prayer, and he would begin to pray. And I learned so much about what he talked to God and what he prayed for, and the titles. He, he didn't always, he never called him the same, he never, it was no vain repetition. He, he called him Holy Father sometimes. Sometimes he'd say Master. Sometimes he'd say Friend. He, he just, it was so wonderful to learn from his prayer line. But today, so much more than Charles Griffith, we have the opportunity to learn from the prayer of our Lord himself. And how much more, if, I, if we can learn from a human being, how much more can we learn from Jesus as he is praying? And isn't it interesting that God would have John to record every word of Jesus' prayer? I'm so, by the way, I'm so thankful. I'm so very thankful. So this morning, uh, without any further ado, I invite you to stand to your feet in honor of reading God's word. And let's read John 17, beginning in verse number 20, okay? And we're going to read the whole rest of the chapter, I mean the whole thing, uh, all the way through verse 26, All right, some of y'all are like, man, we're going to be here forever. Six verses. Can you make it that? I know you can. Here we go. Everybody there? Somebody amen? All right, let's go. Beginning in verse number 20. Remember, his first half of his prayer, pray for the guys who were in the room, the guys that were there with him, the guys who were currently following him. Then this half of his prayer is going to be about us. Let's, Let's see how. Verse 20. Jesus talking to the Father. I do not pray for these alone, these meaning his followers that were there with him, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they also may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me I have given them and that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect. That word means literally to mature in, in, he says, let them be made mature in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love which you have loved me may be in them, and I, y'all say it with me, in them. Oh, how sweet to peer in and eavesdrop and listen in 
to the prayer of our Lord, talking to his Father. Uh, let's bow for just a moment in prayer and ask God for some help, okay? Will you bow with me? Lord, as we find ourselves here this morning, we declare we need help. Uh, we need help, Father, to preach the word. We need help to receive the word. And so specifically right now, that's what we're asking. Would you help me to preach this word, God, by the power of your spirit? Lord, may it be evident today that you can use a less than ordinary guy like myself with a past full of failures, that the power would not be in the eloquence and the study of man, but instead the power would be of the spirit, your spirit. And God, as you preach through me, would you also preach to me? I need it as much or more than any person in the room. So, Father, would you set us at the table like a daddy and his child and draw us up close and feed us now from your word. Speak to our hearts and tune our ears to hear your voice. Keep us from distraction, God. And we ask it in the wonderful name of Jesus and all the people of God said, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And by the way, I'm just so thrilled this many people are still coming in the middle of the summertime. And uh, by the way, aren't you thankful we have air conditioning here? Glory to God. I'm so thankful. And some of y'all come in sometimes and you say, it's cold in here. And I'm not going to start a war in here over, over temperatures, all right? Just hear me out. Uh, there are a couple of reasons why we do that. Number one reason is we like to keep people clothed. And so you may not think about that. But if somebody comes dressed with not enough clothes on, they won't do it but one time. And they'll be looking for a little blanket around here somewhere. A lot of times they'll be placed around different places. And that'll help us all be clothed enough, right? Y'all with me? Uh, that helps us not to be having anything we have to try to not look at and be focused on what we're here for, okay? And uh, the other reason is the preacher's a big boy and he gets hot. And so it's, and I'm preaching, so it's, it's dual fold and we thank God for both of them, okay? Now, uh, back to the word, all right? Now, I want you to think for a minute about learning, the title of our message is Learning from the Lord's Prayer for All Believers. Okay, that's just the title. And then what we're gonna do is we're gonna answer this question. Here's the question. What can we learn from Jesus' prayer for all believers for all time? Okay, what can we learn? And I want to answer that with five statements. I'm going to give you five, all right? And how quickly I give them will be how quickly you listen. I'm just kidding. I'm just, some of y'all get that in a minute. I showed, say that was a test. And you were listening slow, so we're going to be here for a little while, all right? <laughs> here we go. Five, I'm going to give you five statements of things that we learn from the Lord's Prayer for all believers. I hope this morning that this prayer would touch you the way it's touched me over the last couple of weeks. I just have really pondered it a lot to think that, I wonder what Jesus' voice sounded like here when he had it in his, in his physical body. I wonder if he had bass or if he was more of a tenor. I know you probably don't think about things like that, but I do. Um, I think about Jesus often. And I think about what his voice sounded like. What would he have sounded like if we were able to just kind of sit close enough to hear him praying this prayer? And I'm so glad that John recorded it so that we have it, okay? So now let's dive in, okay? Number one, what can we learn from Jesus' prayer for all believers? Number one, we learn this in verse number 20, okay? So if you're our guest, we just break this down a verse at a time, and uh, you're gonna learn, actually, we'll break it down one verse two times sometimes because uh, there's more than one thing we'll get out of one verse. But here's what I want you to write in verse number 20. Now notice, I want you to write this down. Number one, he knows the future. He knows the future. Now you say, where did you get this from this prayer? I'm gonna show you. He knows the future. Now, what I want you to write with that is the verse that goes with it. John 17, verse 20, uh, verse 20, and then right up to the side of that, a little a. Now, let me talk about that quickly. Uh, I know you don't see a little a in, this, in, the, in the text of your Bible, but that just helps you understand there's a first part of it. B would be a second part of it. If there was a C, it'd be a third. Okay, this just helps us to go and find things when we go back and study on our own. Because I'm, listen, I'm assuming something. 
I'm assuming that you didn't just come for me to spoon feed you. I'm assuming you came to get something you can carry out of here and apply the rest of the week, right? You can learn and study on your own if you have the Holy Spirit. And so I hope that you'll do that, all right? Specifically, chapter 17, verse 20, and specifically the first part of verse number 20, all right? He knows the future. Let's do his prayer. I do not pray for these alone. These alone who? Those who are currently following Jesus. Those who are his disciples. He said, I'm not just praying for them, but also I'm praying for those who, now, now y'all want you to say these two words with me, who will believe. And so he's talking about something that hasn't happened yet that's going to happen out there. And he's saying, I'm praying for them now because I know them. I know them before they were in their mother's womb. I know the day in which they'll surrender their life to me and invite Jesus to be Lord. I know how I'll gift them. I know already how I'll use them. I know how they fit into the grand scheme of the salvation of mankind. I know it all. And he says, I, so I'm going to stop now and pray for them 2,000 years before you and I were ever born. Okay, all right. I like that. Y'all just looking like, yeah, okay. Uh, Y'all looked at me like I just said it, it, it may rain next week, you know. Uh, I hope you shall get stirred in your spirit a little bit about the fact that 2,000 years before you were born, he prayed something for you because he knew that you would put your hope and trust in him. He knew that you would have struggles. He knew that there would be mountaintops and valleys. He knew that there was a mission you were called to. He knew that it was going to be hard to live the mission. He knew that life was going to have seasons and there were going to be deaths and there were going to be life and there were going to be little babies born. There were going to be people who die. And he knew that all along the journey, you and I were going to need him to pray for us. And so what did he pray? He prayed about the future. So let me just help you to see that he knows the future. Now listen, when you and I face difficult times and circumstances, it is critical. Let me say that again. It's critical for us to anchor to what we know is true. Okay, because our mind will wander, the enemy will lie, circumstances will tell us one thing, our eyes will tell us what we see, our ears will hear, and we'll get all over the map. We have to, we have to come back and center up on truth. Here's the truth. In this prayer, we learn that he knows the future. And that is peaceful, isn't it? To know I don't have to worry about today or tomorrow. Uh, I know it's all in his hand. And a thousand years from now, come on somebody, a thousand years from now, the circumstances of my day will be remembered no more. And so let me give you a verse to go along with that from Isaiah chapter 46. I love this verse. One of my favorite. Isn't that surprising? Isaiah 46 verses 9 and 10. Listen to what God says about himself. Okay, listen. He says, remember the former things of old. And God's talking about his track record. He's talking to his people. And he said, remember the things that I've done for you. Remember the things from old, all the ways I've delivered supernaturally. And he said, remember, uh, he says, remember the things of old. For, I want you to read with me, I am, help me somebody, God. And God says about himself, and there is no other. There are no other gods. There's just one God. And what he says is, there are no other gods. There is none like me. Let me just go on to say, I am God, he said. And the next thing he says about himself is, there is, help me all, none like me. Now, now that hold that verse up there for me. Uh, that is one of our greatest struggles, is that to try and understand God who we can't compare to anybody we know. Uh, we might try to compare him to our dad, our granddad, or we might try to compare him to a wise Charles Griffith, um, but nobody here on the earth is like God. Can I tell you that he's in a category all his own? And what he says about himself and what Jesus was praying for us, we don't have to worry about. He's praying for these believers that he knows are coming before, before his death, before he's even crucified. And so he's praying, knowing the future, and what God says about himself, there's none like me. And then he gives a specific detail about one thing about him that sets him apart. There are many, but one that sets him apart that nobody else can compare to. Here's what it is. Declaring, y'all reading with me? Declaring the end from the beginning. Now, what that means is uh, when you and I come into a storm, uh, I'm not talking about out in the weather, 
I'm talking about in our lives. And we come into it, and maybe the couple days leading into it, we had no idea. You, you ever just sort of life's going really good, and things are going well, and all of a sudden, wham, you know, somebody gets sick, somebody dies, some unexpected bill, some, some engine blows, and you're like, man, where'd that come from, right? And the beginning of that, we, our problem is we have no idea how it's going to work out. Right? That's where anxiety comes in. That's where angst comes in and worry comes in because we can't see the end. But God says, what I need you to understand about me and why I want you to draw near to me and why God wants me and you to gain strength from him is because he says, I declare, y'all help me, the end from the beginning. And as the storm comes or as the mountaintop comes, God says, I already know how this is going to work out. You don't. You just trust me. And I see, I see way out there. How far does God see? There is no limit to where he sees. Because well, why? He's not sitting on the throne of heaven looking into the future. He's already there. Now, you can't figure that out because nobody else is like that. He's not, and there's nobody like God. And he says, I declare the end from the beginning. Listen, you may be going through something in your life right now, and you have no idea how it's going to work out. But here's what God is saying. Trust me. Stay near to me. Because I am already at the end of this thing, and it is going to work out for your good. Maybe painful, maybe hard, maybe some wrestling goes on between now and then, but it is in fact going to work out for your good and for my glory. That's what God says. And so today, I hope that you would store that and anchor to that truth. Okay, so number one, he knows, y'all help me, the future. Number one, he knows that y'all got to get a little pep in your step now. Because 8, 8.30 had a little more. They come on with it. Now there's more, and there's a few more y'all. So y'all come on, help me out, all right? Number two. Number two, five, we're talking about five truths we can gain from the Lord's Prayer. Number one, he knows the future. He said, I'm praying for the ones who are coming. I know they're coming, and so I'm praying for them. Number two, his disciples will witness. Will you write that down? While you write, I'm going to explain. This is the sad face section of our message. You ready? And isn't it great? Aren't you glad? Uh, the, just about every message has what I call a sad face section. It's when you start getting the tough, difficult, everyday, like real life, rubber meets the road stuff. We start looking at the carpet. We get these sad looks on our face. And uh, I hope it won't be that way, but we're going to endure it. Listen to what God has to say. Listen to what he says about his disciples. I'm praying, verse number 20. I don't pray for these only, but I'm praying for those in the future. Those who will believe. And how are these going to believe? First, they're going to believe in Jesus. He said, in me. But then at the end of that sentence, he tells us how they're going to believe. Somebody help me. How are we going, how are the future believers going to come to faith? Oh, through the witnessing of the current disciples who are with Jesus. So they are following Jesus, and because they're following Jesus, they are going to witness of him. A witness, listen, a witness testifies. Did you know that if you're in a court case and somebody calls you in as a witness, if you don't say a word, you have no power or influence on the outcome? No, because you're silent. And so a witness, the value of a witness is found in their testimony, opening their mouth and talking about what they know, what they saw, or what they witnessed. The same is true in the Christian faith. That's why he's used the term, we are witnesses of Christ. We take our mouths, and by the Spirit's power, we talk about what we've experienced, what we've seen, what we've learned, how he's transformed our lives. I had a brother come up to me this morning, and we hugged over here. Man, we like to squeeze each other's head off. He said, five years, over five years, I've been sober because the Lord delivered me. And we had us a little celebration over here, didn't we, Billy? Right over here, me and Billy had us a little celebration over here about the goodness of God. And uh, what's the point I'm talking about? He was witnessing. 
He was testifying of what Jesus has done in his life. And what Jesus is saying is, uh, they're going to be believers in the future. Remember, we're 2,000 years ago. And they're going to come to faith because these followers who are currently with him are going to witness with their words the testimony of the good news and the impact Jesus Christ has made on their lives. They are passing on the good news. They're talking about what Jesus has done. What is the good news? God the Father loved the world so much, he sent the Son to the world. God the Son came down, wrapped himself in flesh, went to the cross, and instead of me and you, died for us. He resurrected from the grave, and because of that, anybody who will turn their lives over to him and confess him as Lord will be saved, forgiven of their sins, washed clean, and become part of the kingdom and family of God. Boy, you ought to be shouting right now in your chair. Amen? That is good news. It took about 20 seconds for me to say it, the good news. And he says, I'm praying because my, the followers who are with me now are going, the reason these people are going to come to faith is because these people are sharing the good news. And so I want you to think a minute for about your salvation. <clears throat> and the day in which you were saved, somebody shared the word with you. Somebody. And the person who shared the word with you, hopefully, was a believer. And somebody shared the word with them. And somebody preached the word to them or somebody shared it personally. And if you keep going back up the ladder, generation, if you keep going across continent lines, you'll find out that your faith in Jesus ties directly to, my faith in Jesus ties directly to this group of 12 who is with Jesus currently at this particular time he's praying. What? You kidding me? That little group of people had the power to impact me and you way over here in America? Yeah, they certainly did. Now, my question is, what impact are you making? See, y'all are thinking, man, I thought you said this was a sad face section. We were getting fired up, man. There was amens and people was clapping and writing notes. And all of a sudden I say that and everybody goes. Because what if, what if the rest of the story depends on you? What if from, from, G, from Jesus to us was on them, right, sharing the good news, but now from us until Jesus returns, it's on who? us. And so I wonder if everybody witnessed of Jesus like you did, I wonder how much of the kingdom would be growing. Now, I need to be I need to be ugly honest with you for just a minute. I'm not talking about running cameras. I'm not talking about working security. Those are all don't misunderstand me. These are all necessary good things that we need people to serve the Lord and do. I'm not talking about greeting. I'm not talking about uh, decorating for vacation Bible school. I'm talking about witnessing of the good news of God the Son coming to redeem mankind and sharing this testimony of what he's done in your life. I'm talking about that's the singular thing he's called me and you to do. And listen to me. If serving and running cameras and doing VBS and all that stuff has circumvented, if you've put one over the other and said, well, this will do, you are wrong. That's not it. That's not it. You and I, Acts 1-8, have been called to witness and testify of Jesus. Now, we look at the world and we see, boy, I hadn't watched the news in, what did I say the other day, four years, five years maybe? Not one time. Now, some of y'all look at me so crazy when I say that. And you would be surprised. My blood pressure is good. And, uh, you know, my sugar is just right. And, and you say, well, man, don't you need to be informed? I'm informed. I'm extremely informed. And you say, well, wait a minute now. You need to be knowing what's the signs of the times. No, I don't. I'm looking for that sky to part today. And uh, ain't no event here going to make sure when it happens or not. He's going One day he's going to part that sky and come get me, and I'm, I hope it's today. I don't need anybody on the news to tell me that. You say, well, don't you need to know about No, I don't need to know any of that. I'm, I'm, well, so you can pray for the world. I'm already praying for the world. I know the world is just like me without Jesus. Like I used to be without Jesus. Man, you know, I, I know it's in a bad spot. 
And so I'm praying. So, so I want you to see, listen, what I want you to understand is we see the condition of the world and we fail to realize that the greatest contributor to the problem of society today is followers of Jesus who are not following Jesus. Just going to church. Just working VBS. Just serving on security. Just being a good dude, you know. <clears throat> just giving to the poor. Just feeding the hungry. You know, great temporary things but not following Jesus by witnessing and testifying of the good news of Jesus Christ. And because we're not, people are not being saved. And because people are not being saved, we see the world on display. And it's getting darker and darker and darker. And we think the problem is the government. Foolishness. The problem, single greatest contributing factor of the problem is me and you not witnessing of the only one who can change one heart at a time, one home at a time, one community at a time, one state at a time, one nation at a time until people come to know Jesus. And we see, listen, it's not about behavior modification, but here, here's a byproduct. When more people know Jesus than don't, we see a whole lot better thing on the news. I wish somebody would amen right there. And so, hallelujah. Listen, his disciples will witness, okay? I'm trying to move on. Let me give you a verse, Acts 1-8. Acts 1-8, quickly. Y'all look up from the carpet. It's all right. We're going to pick up from here. Now, listen, that wasn't to beat you down. It's to call you up. Right? It's an opportunity for me and you to say, huh, I hadn't thought about that. I fooled around and put serving security over witnessing. I'm not witnessing. I might as well not be serving security. You, you with me? Uh, if I'm not doing one, I, listen, I need to focus on the main thing. I'm trying to move on. I really am. But, uh, well, you know, something that, that just sort of, I don't know what the right word is, gnaws at me, is the potential sitting in this room that's not yet fully realized. That if every heart, every heart, would fall in love with Jesus and just testify the impact that we would have, we would have in the world today. My goodness, my goodness. I'm, I'm, and by the way, I get excited. I don't get downtrodden. He said, why do you keep coming back every week for 18 years? Why do you keep doing it? Because I, I got, there's potential, man. There's hope. And more and more getting on board and living for Jesus. And so thank you for that. Here, his disciples will witness Acts 1.8. Here it is. You ready? But you, this is Jesus talking to his disciples right before the ascension. But you... He said, shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. So the power has to do with witnessing. Well, I thought the power of the Spirit, if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Spirit. If you don't do this, you don't have the Spirit. No, no. The Scripture says if you don't have the Spirit, if you have the Spirit, you're going to be a witness. So if, you don't, if you're not a witness, you may not have the Spirit. So I want you just to consider that as we move on, all right? Number three. Look at, look at how quick y'all are listening. Number three. Y'all listen to that section quicker, I think. All right, now some more, more encouraging words, all right? Number three, write this down. Five things we learned from Jesus' prayer, the Lord's prayer. He he's knows the future. Number two, his disciples will witness. They'll witness following Jesus is following Jesus. Where's Lawson at? Lawson preached Wednesday night. We had a little time to talk right before he preached, and one of the points he made was following Jesus is fo means following Jesus. And you have to scratch your head on that, except you shouldn't have to because we think following Jesus is going to church. We think following Jesus is, you know, being nice. You know, cutting somebody's grass. We, we forget that following Jesus is making disciples. That is it. And testifying of Jesus. All right, I'm trying to, I really am trying. Y'all don't think I am, but I am. I am. Number three, his disciples should be one. Now, that sounds weird. You write it, and we're going to look at verses 21 to 23. 20, I know it says 22 on the whole line, but 21 to 23. It looks like there are many of us, but Jesus said that we're supposed to be one. So many one, all right? So when you think about that idea for just a minute as we read this particular prayer. So as Jesus says, 
uh, in verse 21, <clears throat> that, that they all may be, y'all help me, that they, all of them, the, the future believers and the believers now, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, uh, one not working against the other, working together, uh, serving together, uh, glorifying together, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, he says, he, that's his prayer for me and you. He's praying that me and you would be one. Now, now, here's a question I asked eight there, and I'm going to see where you guys, I'm polling the crowd. And by the way, if you're our guest, I poll the crowd sometimes because we're in this together, right? Y'all amen? I'm not preaching down to you. We're learning together. And so my question for you is how many of you think that in general, for the most part, uh, followers of Jesus are proclaiming followers of Jesus are always on the same page? <laughs> uh, by a show of hands, how many of you think that? Uh, most believers are, are always on the same page in one spirit, one accord, and unity. And Oh, wow. Uh, now, you know that same happened in the early worship. I think we had one or two hands raised. Now, when you think, just, we're just using a little logic because God didn't say check your brain at the door. We're using a little logic. If we, and, and I'm, I'm assuming here, it's a dangerous thing, but I'm assuming that at least the majority of us have put our faith and hope and trust in Jesus. If we feel that way about us, how do you think the world thinks about us? And that's ugly, isn't it? I mean, it's just an ugly truth. Now, why? Well, we've had, we've had, we have a past history, don't we, of, of being at odds with each other about very important things like the color of the carpet. Now, you laugh about that, but it's true. I know a church uh, some 17 years ago that split for the all-important eternal reason of when they took the offering up in the worship service. And we are creative in coming up with ways to be divided. We'll do it by height. Some people say, well, I like taller people better, and, and so you devalue little short people. And some people say, I like, I like thinner people, so you devalue heavier people. And so, some of us say, well, I like lighter-skinned people, and so you devalue darker-skinned people, or darker-skinned people, and you devalue lighter-skinned people. Some of us say, I like people who hunt, and so we devalue people who don't hunt. Some people say, I like meat, and so we like meat eaters, and those who are vegans, we make fun of them, we devalue them. It's so interesting how many divisions we can come up with in this little journey down here on earth. And so because of that, we stay extremely divided. We're all oftentimes at odds. It's why the engineer of, the, of this building, when we built it, said to me, a preacher, this is going to be one of the most trying times of your life, and y'all are going to split, I guarantee you. Uh, and for him to say that, he, he wasn't a believer, and to say as he watched that unfold, it was the first one he had done in 30 years that there wasn't a church split because of the building. Now, uh, you can take that one or two ways. You can say, oh, well, look at us. No, don't look at us because we, we had no part in that. God helped us to do that. Uh, but, but surrender to his spirit. But at the same time, it's sad that over that many years, that's what somebody on the outside saw. Now, can you imagine how this person and people view the church when we don't get along? When we, listen, it's not just about being divided. It's, it's even about being on different missions, like, in other words, if half of us in here are, are about uh, seeing souls saved and, and, and being discipled and half of us are, are focused on some other thing, we're, we're, we can't help but run cross in, headfirst into each other because, because both things require resources, people, time, teaching, right? And so if, if it's this, then we're going to be focused here. If it's this, we're going to be focused here. And what will happen is they're going to be against each other. So we, we got to be on one page and one accord, on one mission, uh, coming to seek. We're on the mission that Jesus was, seeking and saving that which was lost and equipping the saints, right, loving people where they are. I wish somebody smiled with me. Listen, uh, I didn't say that we're not in one accord. I'm just saying that we have a tendency sometimes not to be. 
So I need to be careful about how I operate with you, and you need to be careful vice versa. And listen, this doesn't mean that we just always agree. It just means that we agree respectfully, and we agree agreeably. How many of you know what it means to agree agreeably? No? Y'all afraid to answer because you know your husband or your wife sitting with you, don't you? Or your kids. Agreeing disagreeably honors God. It's not wrong to disagree. It's just wrong when we disagree in a way that we're not unified and loving each other and being kind to one another. All right, so his disciples should be one. Verse 21, we're going to read again. That they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. I'm going to come back to that because he's going to say it again. And the glory which you gave me, I've given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them. Now, verse 23. Now, what I'm going to do is ask two questions under number three. Here they are. First one's how, the second one's why. How and why. How and why what? His disciples should be one. How are we going to be one? That's a good question. How? How can we going to be one? And the answer is found in the first part of verse 23, and I want you to write this in your notes, by the Spirit of Christ in us. Do you see it in verse 23? Jesus said, I, y'all reading the first three words with me in verse 23, I in them and you in me. So he's praying this prayer that we would be one, and how's it going to happen? By Christ being on the inside of us, right? The Spirit of God being inside of us. We have no hope of being unified if we have to work it out on our own. You know what I've learned about us? You can get five of us in the room, and you ask a question, just throw a question out there, uh, opinion question, and you'll get six different opinions. And I've never been able to figure that out because only five people in the room, and you got six opinions. And so we, I'm telling you, he, the only way we'll ever be unified is if the Spirit of Christ is living in us. And, listen, two things, and we are surrendered to his Spirit. He's in there, and we're letting him run the show. We're letting him direct our thoughts. We're letting him use our hands and our feet. We're letting him, oh, watch this. We're letting him run our mouth. Huh? Because part of being unified, I would say this. This is a little side sermon, but we're going to hurry because you guys look hungry. The greatest tool of disunity is, can you guess? The tongue. And James said, Jesus' half-brother said, that it is set on fire by hell itself. And we'll use it, and if you'll just sit in a room and listen to people, all they'll do is talk about what's wrong or what's different about somebody else, and, what, and, and, and it's unbelievable to me how much we do that. And we're not, how are we ever going to be unified if all we do is pick people apart and pick out what's wrong with them and, and what they like and don't like? And, and so I'm, I'm praying this for me. I hope that you'll pray this for yourself. I've been praying lately, God, silence the voice of Adam in me. That says, when I see somebody putting, uh, uh, you know, something, when, they, when I see somebody eating something I don't eat, for me to think that they're different. Maybe I'm different because I like what I like. God's been really dealing with me on that lately. And so uh, I would pray that for you. You pray that for me. One, how? By the Spirit of Christ in us. Let me give you a couple of verses. Colossians 1, all right? How? Jesus said, I and them. Listen to him talking to his daddy. God, I, I'm, I'm asking you to make them one. There's a lot of them. I'm asking you to make them one. I in them, me on the inside of them. All right, Colossians 1, 27. Listen to how Paul refers to this Christ in us. To them, God willed, y'all reading verse, chapter 1, verse 27, it's on the overhead. To them, God willed to make known what was the riches of the glory of this mystery. So God willed to reveal something that was hidden. What? The glorious riches, the riches of glory in this mystery. What's the mystery? You ready? Here it is. Christ in you. Come on, roll that up to the next verse for me. Christ in you, 
the hope of glory. And so now for the Jew and for the Gentile alike, here's this mystery. God wants relationship with all of mankind, and the only way that we can have it is if we turn our life over to Jesus, trusting his death and resurrection, inviting him to come in, and he comes inside of us, and now we have communion with God. Isn't that beautiful? Friend, listen to me. There's a monumental difference between the Holy Spirit operating out here and the Holy Spirit operating in here. It's night and day. Matter of fact, it's eternally different. Uh, let me just say, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Let me give you one more verse, all right? I know you're hungry. You look like you want one more verse, all right? Y'all ready for one more verse? Yeah, this is yes. Okay, some of y'all dozed off. Check your people, all right? Check your people quickly, all right? John 16, verse number 7. Jesus, nevertheless, what is he nevertheless for? He said, you guys, I'm about to leave, and your hearts are filled with sorrow. Your emotions are leading you. Does it sound like anybody? Listen to what he's telling his disciples. Your emotions are leading you. You are sad because I tell you I'm leading away. And I'm telling you, nevertheless, I'm telling you, here's the truth. Your emotions are not true. Here's the truth. It is to your, read with me, advantage. Pause right there. Keep that verse up there for me. Let me ask you guys a question. How many of you like to have an advantage besides me? Some of you are like, is that Christian? Yeah. I want to have the advantage. And I, what I mean is I want to have the advantage in this little journey down here called life. And I want to have the advantage when I face hardship. And I want, to fa I want to have the advantage when my heart's broken. And I want to have the advantage when I don't understand what's going on around me. And I, I want to have the advantage when people come to me and their lives are broken. And I don't know what to say. I want to have the advantage in the personal battle with sin within my own body. I want to have the advantage. And Jesus said the advantage is that he go away because if he goes away, he's going to send the Holy Spirit, the helper. Matter of fact, he said it this way. If I don't go away... Uh, read with me, if you will, okay? Put your eyes on that verse. And nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, listen, will not come to you. But if I depart, if I ascend, if I go back to the throne of heaven, I will send him to you. Who is him? Him is not it. Him is the Spirit of God or the Spirit of Christ. You can call him either one. He's referred to as both ways. He is the Spirit of Christ living in us, the hope of glory. That's the only way we can be on the same mission. The only way you're going to witness. The only way you're going to get up in the morning and realize that you're not going to work, you're being sent to work. The only way you're going to realize that every resource you have on this planet is given to you by God and the purpose is to bring him honor and glory. It's the only purpose to keep us in singular mind in a marriage relationship where man and woman come together as diabolically opposite of each other and can live in harmony together because the spirit of God is living in the midst. I'm telling you, it's Christ in us the hope of glory. Anybody thankful for the Holy Spirit of God this morning? I am. And may we, may we find ourselves surrendered to him. All right, I told you I'm going to ask two questions. How? Now let's talk about why. <clears throat> How are we going to live unified? If you were to answer that in, in a few words, the Holy Spirit. Surrender to the Holy Spirit. Now, why? Why is it so important that Jesus would be praying 2,000 years before you were ever born that we would be unified? Why is it so important? All right, let's read. Put your eyes back on verse number 23. I and them... And you and me, he's already said it once, he's going to repeat it here in a minute. That they may be made perfect in and that the world may be know that you, listen, and the world may know that you have sent me and have loved me and loved them as you have loved me. Now, here's the point. He says, I'm praying that they would be one, me in them, me in them, giving them the power to do it because it's so important. Our unity is so, did you know how important our unity is in, in the world? You say, why? Because what Jesus just said is it's a gospel witness. In other words, what the people at work see about you and hear about you and hear you saying about other believers and how you get along with other believers, they're formulating an opinion of whether or not God sent Jesus or not. 
because they have friends who don't know Jesus who will, you know, be disunity, not be together, always fighting. But they have other friends who claim to know Jesus, and they're determining in their head as they watch you and listen to who you talk about, how you talk about people, whether or not you are unified in this mission to reach the lost and to love people, and they're determining in their heart by how you live whether God sent Jesus or not. Here's what that means. That means that when we're at odds with each other, we are a deterrent to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We help people not come to faith by our disunity. What? Now, I don't know about you guys, but this is tremendous for you to learn this, to know this. Because if you know it, now you got to do some, you got to bring it to the Lord, right, and ask him to help you change. Because if we're at odds with each other and the world sees it, the world is in right, is right, is right to say, well, they're no different, so I don't believe their gospel either. He said, Jesus, that's why Jesus prayed. He says, so that the world will know that you sent me. And so by me and you getting along, agreeing disagreeably, being on the same mission, focused on reaching the lost, everything about the kingdom, the world says, man, there's something different about those folk. They disagree, but they love each other. They don't quit. They don't quit going. They don't quit hanging around with each other. They don't act like little kindergarten. You know when kindergartners get mad at each other? Uh-oh, I struck a nerve right there, didn't I? I love reading y'all's faces. Little five-year-olds, they get mad at each other. They want to be in the same room. They don't want to play with that kid no more. Sometimes we act like five-year-olds, don't we? And he says, we got to get over some things, man. we got to learn how to have some difficult conversations in love and love one another, keep on going. There's a gospel at hand. Listen, there's a gospel testimony at hand. And God's called us to be in unity together. And by the way, let me just add this if I can. What will happen is if you're, if you're living the life, if you're living the life with Jesus and you're plugged into a local gathering, what you can expect is um, pe when people see this oneness, it will wreck their world. It will wreck their world. What will happen is people will say, I I've heard this about you and me before. Can you believe this? I've heard before they're just a cult. And uh, I, I, I always sort of take that as a badge of honor because here's what happens. Even churches are not used to seeing a group of imperfect people who will not quit gathering together, who will keep pressing forward for the gospel of Jesus Christ, who will love each other through our scars and warts and all of our other stuff, who will be there for each other as best we can, and when, we don't, when we're not there, we forgive each other and keep going. And uh, I'm telling you, and they'll say they're cool. Uh, when, 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 the, when the world's, when the here's the sad part. When the church, other churches see sometimes people who are radically changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, they quit drinking, right? And they're no longer cussing and having that unforgiving attitude. They'll say, you got to be part of a cult because nobody lives like that. And I say, I say followers of Jesus are transformed by knowing him. And then we get on to saying, yeah, we ought to give the Lord a hand clap of praise right there. I say, call us, call us what you want to, Amen. We want to be simply known as followers of Jesus. That's all. Followers of Jesus. When you follow Jesus, you go some different direction than you used to. Amen. All right. Why? It's a gospel witness. Number four. We got to hurry up, y'all. Okay? Can y'all listen faster? All right. Some of y'all are like, yes, yes, come on with it. <laughs> Here we go. Number four. His, I love you guys, by the way. Number four. His disciples... will be with him again. Now, I'm going I'm I'm to try not to camp out here too much, but man, this talks about heaven. And so I'm about to get fired up a little bit. His disciples will be with him. Again, we sang about it a minute ago. We know how the story ends. We will be with him again. Now let me read it, all right? Put your eyes on verse number. Are you ready? 24. Y'all there? I'm not there. I got to get there. All right, here we are. Father, still Jesus praying, I desire that they also whom you gave me, listen to this, 
Go back and see that word. Father, I. Come on, everybody together. Father, I. Desire. Now, this, this, this word sort of wrecks me a little bit because of the object of his desiring. Who he desires. It, it wrecks me. Let me explain. I desire that they. Now, who's the they? Us, believers in the future, and the ones that are there, whom you gave me may be with me where I am. That they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you love me before the foundation of the world. Now, I just need to kind of take a deep breath and try not to have a heart attack up here. He says, I want them with me. Now, I don't understand that. Because I don't want to be with me. I'm stuck with me 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I tell Tina sometimes I'd like just about an hour break from myself. And she agreed for herself about me. No, I'm kidding. She didn't. I, I, I'm telling you, I wish I could put myself on hold and go and, and not have to fool with me sometimes, but I can't. And so I don't want, I don't, listen to me, I don't want to be with me all the time. And I don't want to be with, some, I'm just kidding. I'm, oh, some of y'all got offended right there. Well, the truth is I don't want to be with anybody all the time. There we go. Just going to be honest. And yet, here's the Messiah. Here's the Son of God, the only perfect one saying about you, he wants to be with you. He, I don't, he always wants you around. He didn't want you on another planet in another dimension. He wants you right where he is. Now, I want you to think for a minute about heaven. Can y'all think? Well, sometimes I think about heaven, y'all, and I'm so, I'm, I'm so drastically weird. I'll sometimes in my office, there'll be two people come in. They'll have some terrible life-altering circumstances. They're pouring their heart out. I'm, I got nothing. I'm talking to God the whole time. I said, Lord, you got to help me. And then somebody else will be waiting to come in, and I'll get about a two-minute reprieve between them sometimes. It's not always that way, but on certain cases, I'll lean back in my chair sometimes and think about heaven. And I'm not talking about wanting to escape. I just think about one day the pain of all of these circumstances down here will be done. And the fallen nature of man and the messes we make, not they make, we make, will all be done away with. When we get to heaven, listen, can you imagine those streets of clear glass? Gold so pure you can see through it. And the walls of jasmine and jasper and all the different wonderful jewels that are parts of the, that one pearl gate that we'll go through. Can you just picture for just a minute? And all the wonderful parts of heaven and that we have a place that Jesus prepared for us there and the fact that there'll be no more pain there. Boy, I woke up this morning sore in places, I'm telling you. And I said, when I get to heaven, when I get home, I'll no longer be sore, right? How about that hurting your heart? Maybe you're missing somebody that used to be with you that's not here anymore. Maybe, can you think for a minute what it's going to be like when we're all reunited, those whose hope and trust is in Jesus? What? It's going to be so good. But listen, on top of that, on on top of that, can you imagine what you'll be like without a sin nature? No, you can't. You can't imagine that. I sometimes try. I shouldn't think, all right, how would I think about this if I didn't have, wait a minute, I can't think that way because I, I still have a sin nature. Anyway, go in circles sometimes. But what a relief it's going to be when I no longer have the voice of Adam whispering against the truth of God. And I can't wait to get there. But all of that I mentioned is not the crown treasure of heaven. Jesus is. You see, sometimes if we're not careful, we'll long for heaven because of someone that's there or because of the clear gold or because that we won't get sick anymore and there'll be no more cancer. And all of those things are wonderful and they make us want to be in heaven. But the treasure of heaven ought be that Jesus is there and that he wants you to be with him. I'm amazed by that. He's praying, God, I, I want them to be where I am. I don't get that. I don't get that. But I listen, I'm so thankful for anybody else in here besides me. I'm just so, I'm so, I can't believe that. 
I can't believe he wants me to be where he's at now. And I know why I want to be where he's at because he's wonderful. He loved me when I was unlovable. And, and yet I've, I've done nothing but try to mess everything up. My own nature ran from him. I'm telling you, I don't understand why, he, but he does. So his disciples will be with him again. Can you imagine that day when, you're, when, when God lets you die and you get to be in heaven and you get to see Jesus face to face? I'm going to hug him. Where are my huggers at out there? How many of y'all going to hug him? If you're hugging him when I get there, you better part over because I'm going to squeeze you. I'm telling you, I'm going to lock arms with him and just weep. And I don't, anyway, whew, let me try to move on if I can finish. All right, verse 25 in closing. Verse 25, and this is number five. We learn five things from the Lord's prayer. Number one, he knows the future. Thank God it's settled he knows the future. Number two, his disciples will witness. So my question for you is, are you his disciple? Now you need to answer that. Number three, his disciples should be, one, how? By the Spirit. Why? As a gospel witness. Number four, his disciples will be with him. Again, we're going to be with him one day. And number five, his disciples love differently. They love different. All right? They love different. Let me read verse 25 and verse 26. Y'all ready? All right. I'm going to wait for the rest of you to get ready. Okay, y'all ready? Everybody ready? All right, verse 25, O righteous Father. And by the way, isn't it, isn't, it, isn't it beautiful to your heart to hear Jesus call his Father different names? Father, Holy Father, all in the same prayer. O righteous Father, I love it. It's just, it's just such an intimate thing to hear Jesus praying. O righteous Father, verse 25, the world has not known you, but I have known you. Oh, oh, wait, I forgot something. I got to go back and tell you something. He said, I want them where I am. And then he said, Why? That they may, does anybody, did anybody remember that verse, verse 24? That they may behold my glory. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a second. Hadn't the disciples already experienced some of his glory? Anybody? Yes. Where, where were some of the places they saw some of his glory that designated he was not just a man, that he was definitely God? When he walked on water. When, when, when the man who was possessed with demon ran out of the tombs and bowed at his feet and begged him to put him in the, in the, in the pigs. When, when Jesus said on the boat, peace be still, and the storm stopped and the, and the water became still like glass. Uh, there were many times when they saw glimpses of his glory that wrecked them. But Jesus said they don't even have a clue yet of who I am and who they're dealing with and who's dealing with them. And he's, listen, I want you to hear him saying something along these lines. I want them to be where I am because I can't wait for them to see who I really am. What? What? You think you're excited about seeing him now. You wait till you see who he really is and how much bigger and greater and higher and holier and more wonderful than any idea you have of who Jesus really is. One day, when we get to heaven, we'll see him in his full glory because we'll be like him. Okay, I I wanted to give you that before we left. Verse 25, O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. They believe that. Verse 26, and I have declared to them your name. Jesus said, and I'm going to declare, I'm going to keep declaring, I will. He's talking about present perfect tense. Why? That the love with which you love me may be in them. What's the purpose that Jesus declared to God, God's name to us, to mankind? Is so that the love of God would get inside of us. Now, he's not talking about the love of God get inside of us. We pray this quick prayer and we never let that love flow out of us. Do you know when you, when you dam up water that's flowing, 
and you create stagnant water, what happens is the trees and vegetation in that stagnant water die. And I want you to imagine for a minute the flow of God's love that flowed down from heaven through the cross and the resurrection and the Holy Spirit reaching down to you when you invited Jesus to be Lord and that love flowing into your heart and cleaning you by the power of the precious blood that was shed and forgiving you all your sin like they would never happen. They're not recorded anywhere, can't be found. And now you've been made righteous and right and perfect in the eyes of God. And now that love is flowing in you and how sad a reality that a lot of us have built a dam and it just stopped with us. And we just go to church. Or we just... The intent is that the love would flow in us but also flow out of us. Um, that Jesus would love on the, listen to me, that Jesus would love on the world through us. Uh, there's a world out there waiting to be loved on by Jesus and Jesus has chosen to do it through our hands and our feet. And what an honor to get to be chosen, to be called his child, to get to go out and show the love, the love that set me free and the love that set many of you free. So I want us to contemplate that as we bow our heads together. Would you bow your head with me for just a moment? And as you're bowing your head, I'm going to invite you to respond to what you've heard. I'm going to also uh, challenge you not to go in and out those back doors. I, un I don't understand oftentimes those doors start swinging. And if you're the people of God here, listen, you ought to want to see what God's about to do. And maybe even in your own life. Now, I know sometimes there are emergencies. If you need to, we understand that completely. But, but please lock in. And right now, you ought to be praying. You ought to be praying, Holy Spirit, would you move in a mighty way? Can we all pray that together? Holy Spirit, would you have freedom to move in the hearts of every man, woman, boy, and girl? Would you move us to a place where we want to really follow Jesus? Would you move us to a place, God, would you just begin to pray, God, help us to respond. Whatever you're calling us to do, whether it be to join this local gathering of believers, if the Holy Spirit's calling, we want you to come. Lord, what would you have me to do? Somebody today needs to be born again. You kidding me? Right out here in the middle of nowhere on just an, a, a summer Sunday morning, uh, the Holy Spirit of God is calling somebody from death to life. You have no idea how big it is that you respond to the voice that you hear. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart as in the day of rebellion. But be saved. Come to him today if he's calling. Maybe you're out there and you've never put your hope and trust in Jesus. I beg you today, confess him as Lord. Maybe it is that you have followed through but never followed through in baptism. We want you to come and be a part of that. So, Father, we pray that your spirit would have liberty just to move, just to move in every individual heart, God, mine included. Somebody needs to be reminded today, listen, in closing, he knows the future. Take a deep breath this morning. He knows the future. And it is for his glory and your good. I know you can't see it now, but he sees the end from the beginning. Somebody today need to be reminded that his disciples... They'll, they're, they're going to witness. So, so if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, a disciple, then you, then you have got to witness. That's, that's the call. His disciples, we, somebody need to be reminded that we're supposed to be unified. Maybe it's a husband and wife that's in dis, disarray. Maybe it's a brother, two brothers, a brother and sister. Maybe they're, I don't know. But maybe today you need to go and get that settled. Maybe go and apologize. You say, wait, I didn't do anything wrong. It's okay. If it's, not, if it's not scripture, if it's not sin, just go apologize and bury that thing and say, let's move forward together in one spirit. Maybe you're here today and you just need to be reminded that one day we're going home to heaven. Maybe the, the difficulty of your day is weighing you down. And God wanted to remind you today, hey, you hang on. You keep pressing on. That day's coming. It's coming quicker than you could imagine. You just keep living for Jesus. It's coming. One of these days you're going to see him, and you're going to see those loved ones. You're going to see the wonderful, wonderful place called heaven.
Maybe you're here today and you need to be reminded that we're supposed to love differently. Not the same as condition-based love, but unconditional love. Love that says, if you're with me, I love you. If you're against me, I love you. If you never do one thing for my benefit, I love you. Because God loved me. So, Lord, I pray you'd have your way in us this morning. Have your way. I want to invite you to stand to your feet with me. Would you do that with heads bowed and eyes closed just for a moment? Would you bow your head? Just begin to pray. Continue to pray. The altar's open. Brian's coming down front. There's something on your heart you need someone to pray for you. Come on. If you've made Jesus Lord of your life today, come on. If you've got some questions about that, what are you waiting on? Come on. If you feel compelled to the Holy Ghost, come pray at the altar. Come on. Come on. What are you waiting for? I'm going to wait just a moment. You know, sometimes we wait in our chair for something to happen. And sometimes the Spirit of God is saying, I want you to go to the altar, just me and you. And so I challenge you today, if he's, if he's stirring, would you come? Come on, there's somebody else. People moving. Come on, it's the Spirit of God moves you. Lord, have your way. Have your way.